0: Good morning, Polaris. Um, Let's go ahead and let's pray together, and then we will worship together. God, thank you so much for uh, the gift of Jesus. Thank you that his love binds us together. Uh, Thank you for the hope uh, that you give us every day. Um, God, I pray that as we're uh, sitting at home, uh, as we are doing whatever we're doing, uh, I just pray that
1: to the sea.
0: trust you.
2: Hello everybody, glad you can join us from your living room. i got a few quick announcements and then we'll get rolling with our sermon material. Uh, First of all, we redesigned the app and it now features a live stream button which will take you right here to the site that you're on if you want to go that route and watch on your phone. Uh, There's also a watch button from the time that we start recording videos, which was last week, and then it'll just compile. You go to that, you can see old services. Other than that, to hear old sermons, you'll have to go to the listen button for the audio version of anything past last week. But we'll start piling up now um, our services via video. Also, at the at the bottom, you scroll up on your phone, and um, and you'll find the contact us button. If there's anything you need for us to know while we're not meeting on Sundays or beyond, use that contact button. Listen, button and we'll get back with you pretty quickly. Also I want you to know that men's night tomorrow night is cancelled. We're going to try to do some Zoom conferencing with men's stuff but we're not quite ready by tomorrow. So men's Night's cancelled and one more thing, the World Vision 6K race, that's going to be May 16th at 9.30 a.m. so just keep that one on your radar, save the date that will represent hopefully the other side of all this and we'll be ready to get out together and do some um, some physical things as we uh, reacclimate to society, so keep that on your radar. Now, this would be the time of the service in the auditorium when a sea of middle school students and high school students are released to go hear Dave Ivey. And uh, I want you to know if you're new to Polaris or if you're just watching online that our youth ministry is rocking. And it's all because of Dave Ivey and his team of volunteers. So I want you to meet him today. He's also very much a teaching pastor of Polaris, does uh, teaching it gives the sermons regularly. So he's going to finish out our Love Poured Out series this morning. I'm going to start next week a series on dealing with anxiety because I feel like it's relevant uh, to what we're going through right now. So uh, make some noise in your living room for David the Ivy, and I'm going to get away because his wife's a nurse and I don't want to be near him.
3: Well thank you for that introduction, Alex, and thank you for hanging out with us this morning uh, in your living rooms, uh, in your kitchen, uh, having uh, time with your family. We are so happy to be with you in the midst of all this mess, uh, this unpredictable time. Uh, We hope that you are leaning on God for wisdom and and protection, understanding, and hope and and know that this will pass and that he is with us. Uh, This morning, before we get really started into our, our, our talk, I want to tell you a quick personal story that really has to do with what we're speaking on today. When I was a younger adult, in my mid-twenties, I graduated from Malone University, and I went on to have my first job ever that wasn't a, you know, minimum wage job. I worked in the janitorial department as a manager for nurses, nursing homes, and uh, for assisted living in hospital situations. And so that was my very first job. And I have to admit that I was kind of playing the, the the big boy game and not really knowing how to actually be a grown-up. And in the midst of this job that I had, I truly hated it. I hated every moment. Couldn't stand going to that job. And I just felt that maybe I was better than... What I was doing, mopping floors and dusting rooms and, and, and making sure you know things were picked up and I felt that I should have been doing something else. I remember so often going to work and thinking things like, I have a college education and I'm doing this. Or, you know, eight months ago I was playing college football and now I'm doing that thing, or I can't believe I'm doing this thing, I'm better than that. Now, looking back on my younger self, I roll my eyes, and I wish I had a time machine to kind of go back and kick myself in the rear. And I'm sure that when we look back at our, our younger selves in general, we look at back in, and see those things in our lives. The problem is, for a lot of us, when it comes to the things in this world, jobs, people in need, we often find ourselves saying, I really don't want to do that. We have even an attitude about it. But that's not what Jesus has in mind for us as his followers. And this morning, we're going to continue, or actually wrap up our our series on on the days leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection. And and we're going to talk about this amazing moment that Jesus gives us today. So I believe that the thing that, that, that... jesus talks about in scripture that we're going to look at truly defines us as followers of jesus and that is humbling humbly serving others so we're going to jump right into the scripture john chapter 13 verse 1 says this it was just before the passover feast jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to his father Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. So kind of put this in context. Jesus is days before, a day before he's going to face the cross, face his death. Something that he knew was coming, something that would have been full of emotion, uh, the, the anticipation of, of agonizing pain. Jesus knew was on its way. Jesus was about to give his life. It's Thursday night. He's having a meal with his closest friends, giving him instructions that he felt were, were so important from them to hear before he left. And the book of Luke tells us that in the midst of this amazing time, and this, this dinner that he had t- prepared with his friends, A fight breaks out amongst the disciples. What are they fighting about? They're fighting about who the goat is. Who the greatest of all time is between all the disciples. And Jesus was heartbroken by that. But it shows us this, that even in Jesus' time, ego was a thing. He looked around at his closest friends, and he saw two things. He saw proud hearts. And dirty feet. We continue our verse in verse 4. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So, why did Jesus wash feet? See, in Jesus' time, it would have been a common courtesy. for for you if you would have come to visit him or you were invited to have a meal with Jesus uh, he would have been met at the door he would have kissed your cheek and asked do you want your feet washed it's kind of like today in our time when it's really cold outside and and you have someone over you ask them hey can I hang up your jacket it's kind of in the same realm but think about Jesus this time they walked everywhere maybe if you were lucky you had a pair of sandals to put on your feet, maybe. You walked on dirt and dust and and yuck. You walked in the same places that animals were just doing their business. You walked through there. And so your feet were nasty. And now now that I've kind of made some of you sick at home, because I know how much people love feet. um, Think about how nasty you think feet are now and times that probably by a hundred. But it's important to understand something about Jesus' time. See, the host would never wash the feet of their own guests. The host would think that's too much of a humiliating task. They were too important to do that thing. They would have had someone else do it more often than not. It would have been a slave's job to wash the feet of the people coming into the home. So Jesus is having a meal. The night before he's about to give his life, he looks around the rooms. He's proud, hearts, dirty feet, and he puts on a slave's apron. Finds a bowl, fills with water, and he shocks his disciples. We pick up our story at verse twelve. When he had finished washing his feet, their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He had asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher and your Lord, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set the example for you that you should do what I have done for you. Truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be be blessed if you do them. So, our Messiah, our God, the person who healed the sick, raised the dead, fed thousands of people, taught scripture like he wrote it himself, the guy that the disciples left their homes, their livelihoods, their families, their comfort zones to follow him. The light of the world, the king of kings, stoops down and starts to do something reserved for a slave to do. But Jesus saw a need. He saw dirty feet. He says, I can do that. See, Jesus loved his disciples to the very end and wanted to teach them the most important lesson about following Jesus. You have to find a place to serve. That serving others goes hand in hand to being a part of his world. It's a lesson that I think Jesus wants us to learn today. And whether we we see the person eye to eye or, or meet the person's need in another way, we have to start asking ourselves, what are some ways that God is asking us to step in someone's world? And I love the, the idea of thinking of it as an assignment from God. That if, if you see a need that you know you can meet, start looking at it as God has assigned me to help that person out. So one of the things that happened to me back in January, is we, um, I, I set up SMT, which is our student ministry on Wednesday nights, and we have a lot to do to get to a point that we can have our student ministry. Uh, I have a long list of things that I have to get done, and usually on wednesday nights i'm kind of rushing around about two hours before the start of our our, our, our time one of those those Wednesdays in january uh i, I was running late i felt like it was one of those nights where everything took twice as long to do like driving places dropping my son off it just seemed like it dragged on longer than it had to so i finished up at giant eagle i'm leaving giant eagle i i, I go towards the light that's on the, the far side by the park and i see a van parked kind of awkwardly by the park area. And I noticed there was four kids, uh, and I saw two adults, and the adults looked pretty miserable. And I looked at them, and I just kind of drove on. I had stuff to do, and I had to focus on what I needed to get done for us and so I got to the light, turned my right, headed towards the church, and I felt this, like, almost hammer-like guilt. Something wasn't right, but I was too busy. Something needed to be done, but had things I had to do myself. And by the time I got over to South Carpenter, I decided I needed to turn around, and, and I did, and I, I went up to Giant Eagle, picked up a, a gift card, and, and talked to this family, and they had expressed to me that they were on their way to, to their, their family's house. They had just lost their own home, and they needed to find uh, a place to stay, and their family on Sadusky had asked them to come live with them, and, and they landed a the gas. And so I said, hey, here's this. We, I prayed over them, I talked, asked them if they had anything else that I could possibly give them. They said no, and I went on my way and I made it back in time for s Now, I don't normally tell stories like this of things that I've done because it's not the point of serving others, but it's, it, it's a good example of when we see someone in need and we feel that God has assigned us to meet that need, it can make a real impact. Maybe for you, uh, you have an elderly neighbor that in the middle of all this mess, needs their grass cut, needs stuff picked up, needs their um, their snow shoveled. I hope there's not a ton of snow coming. Um, And you can say, you know what? I got this. This is mine. Or maybe you've heard that there are some adults um, that just need someone to talk to in their lives. And maybe they're older and just need someone to listen to them. You can stop and say, I'm going to spend time with them. Even though I'm kind of busy, I got this. This one's mine. You have a friend that's about to move and and they have no help. I got this. This one's mine. When all this comes back to normal, when life kind of reshifts to normalcy here, hopefully sooner than later, and you hear myself or Alex or or, or Jenny King talk about we need people to serve our children and and our students in our ministries, and instead of saying, you know what, yeah, someone should do that, I've got this one. This one's mine. When we start to see service as a part of what God has assigned us to do in our lives, it changes the lives of others, and it changes ourselves. And that's the beauty. And that's the amazing thing about serving others for God. But we have to be careful with this. I see this sometimes on social media uh, when people get started, I love seeing teenagers step in and, and do things for uh, compassion or, or food pack or all the things that we, we provide for them and the things that they do on their own. But the one thing that bothers me the most when it comes to how they present their service is this. to help me. Hashtag, making a difference. Hashtag, honored to serve. Hashtag, blessed to be a blessing. And I see it in teenagers and adults. They take their time to serve and that's wonderful, but they're more concerned about getting the likes and the recognition for it. I tell our teenagers this constantly. When you're serving, it doesn't need an instagram shot if you're doing it for that purpose you're serving wrong when you serve others with the right heart no one needs to know about it it's not about you and honestly it's the one of the biggest things i try to uh, teach teenagers and, and, and i have talks with adults alike when it comes to faith and life it's not about you it never has been it's always been about something bigger than you it's always been something about something more than you. It's not about the, the, the likes and the retweets and the, uh, the, the shares. It's about God giving you an opportunity to meet the needs of other people. It's about serving God. And when we start to pick our minds that serving God is a part of who we are, it changes how we serve. And here, you'll never, you may never know the people you actually uh, uh, affect with your service. There, there may be times where you, you you do something and you'll never see the outcome of serving that person or serving that, that community or doing that thing. And that's okay. Because serving isn't what you do, it's who you are. So I, I love hearing about times when, when anyone in our church goes out and does something big service-wise. Uh, last spring break, we had a handful of students who went out to, to serve in a, on a mission trip. Uh, the Romano kids, uh, Sean and Maggie, uh, Michael. I know um, Emily Cottage is a part of that, and also Sam, Sam Oliver. They took their their spring break and went out and did something big. And I love that about uh, them. I love that about that's a heart of a lot of our, our students and adults as well. Uh, Maddie Beck, who is a former student of ours, she comes back on Wednesday nights sometimes and she tutors students who are still in high school, doing you know, math or, or, or other things. And I love seeing that heart. And one of the questions I get a lot when it comes to how do like, I have our, my kids or how can I, I start the, the pattern of making sure our household truly is about serving. And I think it came, that comes into two things. Number one, your kids and the people in your, your community need to see you serving Jesus. They need to see that you have a relationship with him, that you're, you're, you're modeling what Jesus wants for their lives. The attitude of a home needs to be that it's, it's not that we get to go to church or, or we need to check the box off. It's more that we have a passion to be a part of a church body, with a passion to serve others. And here's the thing, no one will do this for you. No one's going to teach your children or others how to serve and how to serve God, how to be a part of a a church. That's going to be you and you alone. Number two, if you have kids, have them start serving as soon as you can. Whether it's late elementary, middle school, high school, find ways for them to go and serve and be the church. And not just go to church and be there. Have them stop being a passive observer and more of a contributor to what they're doing. And and I I tell our our graduating seniors this. If you want to actually go and have a church life or or, or grow your faith in young adulthood, find a church and serve that church. Don't just go to it. Anyone can go and sit and leave. You'll never feel connected. You want to connect? Serve. Find any place to serve. And you will find a connection, whether it be in the community, in your work, or at the church itself. And the statistics continue to tell us that 70% of kids who are part of any kind of church or youth ministry post high school, young adulthood, leave the church. And I think this is the key to changing that statistic. For us to model what it means to to serve God and be a part of a church family and to, to, to have them serve their church as soon as possible. The church does not exist for us. The church exists for the world. And if you call Polaris your home or, or, or if you feel players is a place that, that you worship at and you're not using the gifts that God has given you, you're missing out. You're selling yourself short. And you know, Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians that we are all a part of this body and that we all have a job to do and things to get done. And whether you are a CEO or a a, a middle schooler, whether you're 7 years old or 97 years old, we need you, the church needs you to step into the role that God has for you. And if you're only going to church, you're not serving. The church is missing out on you. When we serve others, God changes lives. And the first life he changes is our own. It is a thrill to to serve in the church and serve God. And it doesn't have to be within the building either. Many of you work in all kinds of different places. That's your serving area. That's your mission field. Uh, Some of you will go into work right now... It's full of people who are scared, um, who have this uncertainty, who are worried about what's going to happen next. And the biggest way you can serve them is to be there for them and pray for them. For some of you, 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 go, you are a teacher or you are a nurse or, or you're, you work at some other office building and you go in there every day and you spend your time seeking out people and, and, and being the church for them without even saying the word Jesus, you are still serving others and you're making an impact and you are changing the lives of the people in your world. You don't need to be a minister. You don't need to be here at, at, at Polaris every single day to make a major impact. That's not necessary. Your mission field is where you are today. And for some of us, where we are is at home and that's the best mission field to start is right at your own home there are gifts that God has given you there are things he wants you to do and it starts with serving others and I think of people at Polaris that serve and serve serve amazingly I, I think of, of Mark Menidas, one of our elders uh, he also teaches our middle school kids um, on Sunday mornings, I love seeing him in, in action. And I love his heart. He also owns his own business. And I know that Mark, Mark has a heart to reach others for Jesus. And he sees someone in pain or sees someone who needs to know who he is. He says, I've got this. This one's mine. Think of Bill Beebe, who, who works uh, in the business field and, and also serves our children's ministry. And I, I love seeing Bill in action. Bill hanging out with a, a bunch of elementary school kids is amazing to see. It's awesome to watch them interact. So he's a kid who just needs someone to sit down and, and play a game with them. He goes, I, I got this one. This one's mine. I think my wife. Uh, my wife's a nurse. and She works for the Cleveland Clinic. And, and I see what she does with her patients. Her patients are her mission field. She sees someone who is going into a scary situation. Surgery, no matter what kind of surgery it is, is a scary thing. And she says, I got this one. This one's mine. I think of Amanda Kay and, and Monica Flork and, and, and our high school girl ministry leaders who see girls who are about to make some of the same mistakes uh, that she made or they made when they were in high school. And they step in to try to show them, hey, there's a better way say, I got this one, this one's mine. Find a place to serve and serve humbly. And it starts to change your life and the lives around you. You want to change your marriage? Serve your spouse. You want to change your friendships? Serve your friends. You want to change your community? Serve the community. You want to change your relationship with God? Start serving your church. You want to see lives change for other, uh, forever? Start to serve other people. Have people see that you're passionate about your faith. Model it. Live it out. If you have kids or people in your find help them find ways to serve and they will change. So how can you start humbly serving others at home? I think it really starts right now. I know some of us are are having a hard time seeing past the next couple weeks, and I I get that. But this is the best time to take a step back and start saying, how can we start to engage in service in other ways? And and, and it starts simply as looking around your neighborhood, uh, seeing what needs done. Um, I know that, believe it or not, even though it's cold this weekend, the spring is here. And there's going to be you know, lawns to mow and, and things to pick up. And, and do things as a family as much as you can, as long as you're healthy. When everything is done, talk to Jenny King. Jenny King needs people to serve our children's ministry who will pour into kids no matter how old you are. If you, ever, if you are interested in listening to a middle school boy uh, talk about how awesome Fortnite is, And how amazing his scores are and you're okay with the smell of teenage boy and acts talk to me we will have a place for you to hang out and talk and, and, and serve our middle schoolers and high schoolers find a place to serve Jesus didn't come to this earth to be served by others he came to be a servant He saw proud hearts, dirty feet. He said, I can do this. This is mine. We need to meet people's needs. Because that's what humbling, humble servants do. Let's pray. God, thank you for your son. Thank you for your message. Thank you for your example. And I hope we live it out every day. Well, we are in such an unprecedented time and in the midst of all this uh, coronavirus thing. And, and God, I, I know it's scary. And, and some of the first, the initial thoughts are we got to protect our own. And, and at the same time, we want to be able to serve and serve you because that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And God, I ask you, whether it be right now at home or, or, or in the neighborhoods or the weeks that come, help us model what it means to follow you passionately, And teach the the people and the kids in our neighborhoods uh, what it means to serve you. What it means to be a follower of you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your son. We pray this in your name. Amen.